Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So glad you're with us. The top story around the basketball world is Gar Foreman has been let go by the Chicago Bulls. That mean real change in this new era? We turn to the senior writer of the NBA for Yahoo Sports is Vincent Goodwill. And Vince joins us here on ESPN 1000. Vince, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Hey, what's going on, Hoodie? How you doing, man? Good, man. How, how's uh, you and your family throughout all this? How's everything going with you? Hey, man. Luckily, uh, everybody's adhering to the uh, uh, stay-at-home uh, orders in uh, our state. I'm actually back in uh, Detroit, Michigan, as opposed to New York, where I live. Uh, so, luckily, there's been no bouts. There's been nothing crazy happening. Uh, you know, Detroit is a lot like Chicago, where it was kind of tough to get people to understand the severity of everything at first, initially. Uh, I know Mayor Lightfoot and all that type of stuff. You know, all that type of stuff. We've seen some of the funny uh, memes that have come out of it and some of the things he's actually said. Um, but, yeah, luckily, everybody's safe, and I hope everybody in Chicago, uh, hopefully everybody is adhering, and hopefully everybody is uh, safe. We've seen a lot of tragedy over the past couple of days. We have, Vince, and it's interesting. I have a lot of family in Detroit, in that, in Detroit, and um, in Battle Creek, in that area. And you know what? What my cousins tell me is similar to what we see here. When it first came out, young people just believe that they're just like they're fine. Like they know what's going on. It's not like they're not uh, informed of what's going on with COVID nineteen. But they still like, oh, it's still a nice day. I go out and ball. And over out west and on the south side, I start seeing more and more people going to the basketball hoops, uh, basketball courts. And I guess that's why Mayor Lightfoot had to put her. A proverbial foot down to be like, hey, you can't be out here in the parks playing basketball while everybody else is at home. So it's it's interesting how some young people look at it as like, oh, I'm good, until you have to shut it down for them to really understand, like, no, you can't be out during this time. Well, I, I think, you know, the tone of everything that we were told here, it was certainly contrary to the reality, was that, oh, it's only going to affect old people, and, you know, it's coming from you know, a certain area or a certain region, all these other type of things. And, you know, we can be completely honest there. Like, there was a level of, you know, dissonance between, you know, anything we've ever experienced to this degree. Everybody thought, oh, we've gone through SARS before. We've gone through this or that. And this is so, certainly completely different. And I hope that everybody realizes now that this is certainly a serious thing. This is not something to be taken lightly. The world has, our world has stopped you know, largely or at least has been severely altered. Um, just, you know, not just the NBA, but everybody's daily lives and everything else. And even when things come back to normal, it's not going to happen, you know, overnight. It's going to be whatever it is. It's going to be some type of gradual uh, reintegration. And maybe things will never be the same again. Or it'll take a very long time before we establish a new normal. Vince Goodwill from Yahoo Sports with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. How's the hair, Vince? How's it holding up? <laughs> Man, I'm I'm in bad shape. Like right? <laughs> hoodie, it's, it's one of those things where I I wanted the black men that can only grow facial hair on one side of my face. So I was like, let me take this opportunity to grow this out. And then at some point yesterday, I said, you know what, this got to go. <laughs> but the hair on top of the head, luckily, is still there. But man, I'm in bad shape. I'm wearing I am wearing Detroit baseball hats in the house. <laughs> I don't want to look at my own hair. <laughs> That's messed up. Well, 
I looked this morning and like it's been about three weeks to a month now. And uh, does the name Frederick Douglass mean anything to you? <laughs> I mean, I got I got gray hairs over to the left and right. It's like man. It, it's it's not great, Vince. I'm just tell you right now, like better than Uncle Phil, okay? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not that bad. No, it's just it's still something up top. It's just like it's it's growing out. Like you, I'm not expecting my hair to grow out like this, but it's like you know what? I'll I'll be in the crib safe. But just the idea that I'm wearing a lot more caps lately because it's yeah. I mean, I was concerned with you because I mean, I mean you. I mean, the wave cap is your friend, and even the wave cap's not helping you. <laughs> That's messed up. Look, I have a, I have a what well, the best barber I've ever had, and, and people who who like to call me a Chicago basher, right, will be surprised when I hear this. When they hear this, but the best barber I've ever had in my life was a guy named Drew in Chicago, uh, Andrew Henderson, and he's actually like a you know kind of like a Nike collaborator now, but he's the best barber I've ever had. And if there ever was a person that I want to hug after all this is over, I think I will drive to Chicago to get a good haircut, a great haircut from him, and I will probably give him a hug, even though we're probably <laughs> supposed to social distance even after we integrate ourselves <laughs> in life. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something, man. It's something. I didn't, it's, it's bad. You know, we like to keep it clean, man. You got to get the nails and the, the feet and, like, the hair. Trying and Just like, man, it's... Whew. <laughs> it's getting rough it's, right it's now. It's tough right now. It, it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's tough. <laughs> well, you know the big news because you you were here uh, covering the Bulls with Gar Foreman. I just want to find out uh, from you um, your feedback and your memories of uh, covering Gar Foreman. What was your interaction like with Gar on one on one? You want me to lie? Tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you're gonna tell the truth. I already know. That's no, why I asked. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, Gar. Gar has di- you know Gar has different you know he had different sides to him. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly. All the things, you know, he clearly wasn't someone who was comfortable in the public eye. Uh, And I felt like that sort of hindered the Bulls a little bit when it comes to having a public face in the type of diverse city that Chicago is, that had the history uh, that Chicago basketball was experiencing at the time. I felt like you needed someone who could connect not just with the players, but also with the city. And sometimes people can be good at their jobs but not great at the public relations. And I think that's where Gar struggled at a little bit. And, you know, you can you remember some of the controversies that he was involved in or, you, you know, everything else with, you know, the Derrick Rose stuff, the Jimmy Butler stuff and everything else. We don't have to necessarily rehash it. But, you know, if nothing else, I thought Gar was a good, you know, he was a good scout. You know, he was somebody who would get on the road and look at guys and everything else. So I do think that uh, in some way he will have a job in the NBA but, you know, was he necessarily uh, fit in the long run to run the Chicago Bulls in the way that things have been run? I think it was clear uh, that he was not. The uh, pick of Karnasovis, um, and I heard a lot of his um, press conference today, his conference call, Vinny, and I just thought, okay, here's a guy here that sounds like he has full autonomy, but I just know that John Paxson is still lurking in the in the back in the background. How much do you think that Karnasovas will have? How much stroke will he have in this organization knowing that Paxson's still around? He better have all of it. I don't think you can afford to mess around and have too many cooks in the kitchen, especially with the Bulls franchise being uh, in the position that it's in. I've been told by multiple people that you know Paxson's 
you know, use and influence will only be will only go as far as uh, Karnaschovas allows it to be, and that Karnaschovas is the guy. Now, hopefully, that turns out, you know, to be true. Hopefully, uh, everybody there with the Bulls are, I'll say, men of their word type of thing. But you have to, if you're promising a guy full autonomy, that has to be full autonomy. Now, you do want to have someone, I think you've seen this uh, to some degree with the White Sox, with Kenny Williams being over there and, and the degree of loyalty that the Reinsdorf family has towards, you know, employees that have put a certain amount of sweat equity into the franchise. They were not going to... Uh, put John Paxson out to pasture and everything else. I, I think we all knew that that was not going to happen. But I think with some of the organizational structures and everything else that we're starting to see, you know, with, you know, revamping the front office and hopefully other parts of the organization, that this thing will start to look like AK's operation as opposed to, you know, John Paxson behind the scenes sort of still pulling some strings. That would be really disappointing, and I don't expect that to happen. Vincent Goodwill from Yahoo Sports. Go to the NBA section to uh, read the, the best in NBA conversation. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. And come to find out that, again, I didn't have not heard the interview or read what Casey Johnson has written, but Karnas uh, Solvis is a househead. Now, we're already friends, if that's the case. He likes house music. <laughs> well, you know, Chicago, look, I didn't realize Chicago house music until I got into Chicago and it was a little while and uh you know a good friend of ours Scoop Jackson uh mm-hmm. was tell you know was telling me about it and everything else so it's kind of it's one of those things that you know Chicago really has a it's its, its own world you know and, and to some degree and you have to really be able to dive in and understand it hoodie and I, and I think just even having that small thread you know what I'm saying that small thread of a connection especially with some of the circumstances and controversies around you know the hiring process and everything else if he can do something to integrate himself to the city and some of his hires and everything else like he'll get the public behind him like this is basically you know you you ever see a friend you ever have a friend who's in a really bad relationship for a really long time and you just can't wait to he or she dumps their partner or they finally just get over him and they date somebody new that next person could be, you know, Bushwick Bill by all, you know, c- comparison. And they will look like Halle Berry, Denzel, Kelly Rowland, insert name here, because they're just walking in the next place. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, he'll have such a long leash himself with Chicago fans, because what do they have to compare it to over the past, you know, few years? Yes, they've had some good years with Derrick Rose and, and Jimmy Butler and some of those teams. But they haven't been relevant consistently on a national stage since, let's just be honest, the last dance. Yeah, there's no question about that. So, um, so Vinny, I'll ask you this. You go as long as you want to on this because I've been following along with you giving facts. And I will give you credit. You are much more patient with people on Twitter than I am. You have you have so much more patience and so much more of a willingness to be able to talk to morons than than I than I do. So I will give you a lot of credit on that because I can't do it. I want to know what is the disconnect with people and the word diversity. Doesn't matter in which in which frame we're talking about. Doesn't matter which story. How is it? Why is that? Is such a disturbing word for some the word diversity in any spot because ultimately we're talking about what's going on with the gm spot in which that's something that the bulls are looking into but as soon as you bring that up in your twitter feed it explodes 
Well, if, if we're going to be perfectly honest here, when people, the people who have a problem with the word diversity usually have some type of relationship with racism, mm-hmm. whether it's unknowing racism or, you know, relationship with racism. I, I mean, I just think it's funny that today with the NASCAR situation, uh, with, with the guy I can't think of, Kyle Larson, mm-hmm. and he's a, a Asian-American, Japanese-American, I'm not sure which one, and he uttered the N-word, and he sounded awfully comfortable with that. And it turns out he was a graduate of NASCAR's diversity program. If that isn't, like, ironic, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I, I'll also, I cringe a lot of times when people tell me, well, don't, we, we can't talk about diversity. We have to hire the best person possible. You, those two things are mutually exclusive. Going and having a diverse pool of candidates does not mean that you're not going to hire the best person possible. Having a diverse pool of candidates means that you need to engage with a, with different schools of thought, with different people, different backgrounds, with different perspectives. Our experiences make us who we are, and they aid me in how I you know evaluate basketball. They aid me in how I you know deal with and connect with players and executives. I'm a black man. I'm unapologetic, unapologetically a black man, and there's certain experience that experiences that I have that are exclusive to black men. There are certain women who have experiences that are exclusive, you know, to being a woman. And certainly there are experiences that white men and white women have that are exclusive to being them. It's not excluding anyone. And there will never be a world in the NBA where white men are excluded. Like, let's be completely honest there. So whenever a black guy seems to get a job, it's like affirmative action. But if a white guy can get it, oh, they hired the best person available. So I, I hope that at some point the word diversity doesn't mean less than and the word diversity doesn't mean that, you know, there's a level of privilege that, you know, cannot be extended because there's a lot of people who have put a lot of work in behind the scenes to put themselves in position to get jobs. And if they can't because they're black or because they fit a certain profile or they're a woman and it discounts, uh, it, it discounts their qualifications and the public has a problem with it a problem with the public not with the qualifiers as a if as an employer you have the right to hire who you'd like however i would say that if you're not trying to have a pool of different people different backgrounds in that uh, hiring process and you're closing it off to just a certain uh, type of person that you that you'd like to play golf with or you think you'd have dinner with and and not allowing others in that conversation uh, then you're not doing your due diligence as an employer. This is any walk of life, Vinny, and I'm just thinking, like, how how is it that? And, and here's what the bull situation: we had not we had not heard uh, any names of color early in the process for this vice president of basketball operations job. And so when Mark Spears and yourself and others shine a light on it, then it's like, oh, oh no, they did. You just don't know the names. Well, don't be so defensive. I was thinking at the time, just like, well, mm-hmm. if their names show, let's see the names. Cause that was not available at, at the beginning of this. Well, you know what happened? And, and I've told people with the Bulls this and even those who believe that their process was fair they can understand that the optics look bad. And anybody that can remember me when I dealt with the Bulls, when I covered the Bulls, you know, for those years, it was very rarely when I took them to task, it was very rarely how things were. It was what they looked like. When things happened with Derrick Rose, how did it look like? When things happened with Jimmy Butler, what did it look like? And people have a hard time understanding sometimes when you're in the forest 
Well, the truth is, the truth is, and sometimes the truth doesn't matter. And when you pull out Wes Wilcox and Danny Ferry and Brian Colangelo, regardless of the independent reasons why those guys were selected, it's going to appear a certain way. And all three of those guys have certain relationships with controversy, race-related controversy, I might add, that makes the situation look bad. So had it just been Danny Ferry, I don't think anybody would have said They all said Danny Ferry's a bum, or whatever the case may be. Or they would say Wes Wilcox. Okay, Wes Wilcox works for NBA TV, or Brian Colangelo, and they would have made the correlation. Maybe it was Jerry Colangelo and Jerry Reinsdorf going way back with their Chicago ties. Maybe it was some form of that. But we have all three come out within minutes of each other, and then you have black guys standing over to the side like, wait a minute, we're not qualified? you saying that we can't have the experience, and it's something that black executives say all the time. Black executives, black coaches, hoodie. They say, how can we get experience if you don't give us experience? We've done all the things that's been asked of us through these years and excelled at these jobs, and then all of a sudden you want to move the goalposts, and then all of a sudden you want to assign these quote-unquote experienced guys with interviews who failed at their jobs or publicly embarrassed their employers at their jobs, and we've done nothing as black executives or black coaches to do anything to warrant that level of embarrassment. So to me, it is a fair criticism, even if there's reasons to justify why the Bulls went with Carter Show, which I do believe that, look, until he shows that he's not the right pick for the organization, you know, I'll trust the Bulls in their judgment and everything else at this point. I don't believe that they're that Jerry and Michael Reinsdorf are groups of racists or anything like that. I don't believe that for a second. But I do believe that people have a gripe when they look at the optics of a situation, what it looks like and what it feels like. And I think that's something that every organization, not just the Bulls, every organization in the NBA should take stock at when they start having some of these job openings. Vince, I'm glad you spent some time with me. I'm looking forward to seeing what this uh, new regime looks like. First of all, I'm interested in seeing who the uh, general manager is going to be. And secondly, just to see how the organization is going to be able to move forward. When the All-Star Weekend happened at bars and restaurants I was at, no one was talking about the Bulls. They were talking about like Chicago basketball as far as its history. You know, some of the all-time greats from here that was participating in great college games in the NBA. But no, there was no buzz about the Bulls. And if it was, it was negative. So we'll see if that perception changes here moving forward. I, I hope so. And if there's one thing that I've told people with the Bulls, uh, you know, that I'm friendly with over the past year or so, you know, since I you start getting wind that things were going to happen, you know, my thing always was your your Chicago fan base deserves better than what they've gotten. And if that is your guiding light to get the best executives, coaches, players, team possible, then I think you're moving in the right direction. And I'll say this about Michael Reinsdorf. You know, he has a chance to really make a mark for himself in the city. He has a famous last name and pretty much a private profile. He's not a very public person, but he does, I believe, want to win and at some point he's going to take over this you know franchise and everything else and he's in a tough position you got to think about that hoodie where he has to assert himself to be the guy while at the same time making sure that it follows on with what jerry reinsdorf his father wants to do because that's still the person who makes the final say so i do think there are certain levels and layers to this that makes things complicated but i do believe that he has a chance to increase his public profile and to basically kind of be a hero in this if you bring the chicago bulls you know back to prominence in any form of recent time 
Thank you, my man. Thanks for coming on the show as always. Hey, my man. Hey, how did Nick do? I, I need. I wanted to hear Nick Cordell's take on Gar being out. That's the person I wanted to listen to today. <laughs> well, you can imagine what that was like, right? It's a lot of laughter <laughs> and, and a lot of and, and a lot of happiness. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I told I'm him to write this book. I said, I get off the phone with you, <laughs> Yeah, I told him to write the book. I said, write the book, Gar and Me. Uh, my my chronicles with, with Gar Foreman. I said, "You ain't doing nothing. Just just go ahead and start writing during this time." What a book that's, that's going to be. That's why I have patience with people on Twitter right now. Right. Guess what, Craig? <laughs> we ain't got nothing to do. That's <laughs> right. It's Friday. We ain't got nothing to do. This goodwill uh, with us from Yahoo Sports as you're listening to Under the Hood. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Really fun shows so far. I got another half hour to ruin it. (laughs) But some really great conversations because it's a big day in Chicago sports that Garth Foreman was fired by the Chicago Bulls with time remaining on his contract. It is a big day because it's about something new. It's about something fresh. And for those of you that's always exercised the hashtag FireGarPacks, it's a big day for you because you're getting what you want. You're getting John Paxson being pushed to the shadows, and you're getting Gar Foreman completely out of the organization, and rightfully so. When Gar Foreman, I found out this morning, we all found out that Gar Foreman was let go you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, boy, Karnasovas is, is taking over, and it is his organization. And it's just time. It's just time. I'm never of the belief that you should fire a coach every three years or fire a GM every four years. But when you have someone that's been in the job for over 20 years, and half of that as a general manager, and you start to see the team going in decline, you have to be able to do something different. This is just very, very simple. It's about time for new faces in this organization. For those of you that put up billboards and you made sure that the radio and TV ratings were not as good as they should be, and for some of you that didn't even show up to the UC, you should be getting the credit today because you pushed forward this movement of fire guard packs. And I know that John Paxton did not like the idea that he was lumped in with Gar, saying, why, why fire me? It's not me. I mean, me and Gar do something different. But you're both in a position of ineptitude. When you've only won 25% of your games over the last three, four, five years, then you can't be in the job. And so here's, out of all the sound that we heard from the press conferences today with Karnasovas and Michael Reinsdorf, here's something that was very troubling to me. From Michael Reinsdorf talking about John Paxson's role. Listen. John Paxson came to me and my dad back, I think it was around December, and we started talking, and, and he felt that we needed, the organization needed to make a change and upgrade. He felt we were too set in our ways. And, um, you know, when you look at it, our basketball department had long been one of the smallest departments in the league, and uh, it hadn't really grown with the times. And, and in John's words, we needed to make changes in terms of the leadership and structure that would set up the Bulls for the next 10 to 15 years. Essentially, I think what he wanted to do was make changes that would not only address immediate needs, but also would set the Bulls up for long-term success. 
And during these conversations with John, and there were multiple, multiple conversations, John also made it clear to us that he would change his role or step down if that's what was best for the Chicago Bulls. Because at the end of the day, he's a Chicago Bull, and that's what he cares most about. At the end of the day, what John is really good at is he's really good at simplifying the issue. And when he said the next 10 to 15 years comment to me, that really, really stuck with me. So during this time, John and I were talking and meeting on a regular basis. I started to share with him what I was learning, and John continued to share with me what he was thinking. And it was kind of at this point that John indicated to my dad and me that he was no longer the right person to lead the Chicago Bulls. That's really the kind of person John is. And I've always, I've always said that. I said when the time came to make a change, John would be the one to let us know. And that is indeed what ended up uh, happening. Listen to what Michael Reinsdorf said, talking about upgrading the organization, set in our own ways, smallest department in the league when it comes to scouting and coaching, and trying to establish leadership and structure and to be set up for the next 10 to 15 years. I jokingly said, and I really believe this, that Karnasovas could be in this job for the next 10 or 15 years because that's how the Reinsdorfs work. Now, I don't expect Karnasovas, if they don't, if the Bulls will make the playoffs the next three, four years for him to be out on the job, he'll be in this for the long haul because that's how the Reinsdorfs operate. Once they hire you, you're in there for life. It's like the, the mob. You're in the mob for life and the, you're with the Bulls for life until... John Paxson says, no, I, I'll step down if that's what's necessary. Now, here's the thing I don't know. I don't know if John Paxson said all the things that Michael said, but guess what? You know who said this? I said it. I said the Bulls need to upgrade their front office. I said that they're sitting in their own ways. You've said they had the smallest department in the league. You've said that the leadership and structure is frayed and is deteriorating. You said that, and I said that. And we've been talking about this for years. So for John to say it, is that just some kind of epiphany? He just woke up one day and said, you know what? This Bulls team needs an upgrade. This, they need new leadership. They need structure. They need to be set up for the next 10 to 15 years. And I'm not the one to do it. Did he wake up one day and decide that? The, the, Michael Reinsdorf puts all this on John Paxson, and it makes it seem like they're trying to make John out of some hero. All these changes are happening because of John Paxson. John has made these decisions. He's made these observations, and we're listening to him because John's a bull for life. Well, if you're a smart businessman and you see these losses, and you see losses piling up, and these non-playoff teams, and the coaches that they've hired, and the amount of draft picks that have not really been able to bear fruit, it's not necessarily about what John says. It's about the reality of it. If you and I can see this as fans, we're not front office guys for the Bulls. We're, we're not part of the front office, but it's pretty obvious that 95 to 98% of the teams in the NBA, they would have made a change because they can see the one loss record. But you see, what Michael Reinsdorf has looked at is the wealth of the organization. You go to a game, a random game in January, and here's the Bulls against Utah, and it's 98, 97% full. Boy, looks like there's a good crowd here for a bad night, weather-wise, but they're out here, so guess we're doing well. You don't measure success on butts and seats. You measure success on not only butts and seats, but also being able to have a brand to build, a championship brand to build. Because otherwise... 
you're the Knicks. They're number one in attendance. The most profitable team in the NBA, and they suck. But Jim Dolan, as the owner of the Knicks, is good with that because there is an ass every 18 inches at the Mazda Square Garden, and there are no no-shows. People go to the Garden. I don't know if they expect to see like the ghost of Ewing and John Starks. I don't know if they think that they're going to see Willis Reed or they're going to see Clyde, uh, Clyde Frazier. I don't know what they think they're going to see. But more times than not, it's a bad product. But because it's an attraction at Madison Square Garden, people go to see it. They're loyal fans, sure. But they're suckers because they see losing every single night that they're in that building with the Bulls. They're here, here come the people from Northbrook. Here come the people from the western suburbs. Here they come in the city, and they're going to go see the Bulls, and sometimes it's for the other team. Other times it's just like, oh, we got free tickets, or, oh, we get a chance to see the Bulls and go out for a night, or the kids want to see the Bulls. Great. Kids don't know how bad this organization is. They just know it's a good time. They just know it's being the Bull with the popcorn trick. They know that. But there's nothing like not only being rich, but also being a winner. You do not look at your success as a franchise based on what's in your pocket. You look at it on based on what's in your pocket and for you to be the cock of the walk when you walk through the hallways, when you're out in the public. Not only is that guy rich, that guy is a winner. That guy was trying to build a championship. So just because in your little country club, in your circle of friends, that, oh, Michael Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf, good organization because they're loyal. Why don't you be loyal to the fans? How about them apples? How about be loyal to the fans? How about be loyal to the paying customer? Those that have an emotional and financial investment to the team that's willing to wait you out, that's really anxious to see the championship years again. Again, Michael Jordan is never going to suit up again. He's not coming through the door, Rick Pertino. He's, he's not coming through that door. But it doesn't mean that you can't do your due diligence to build. It's been an embarrassment. Thibodeau wasn't the right guy, I guess, according to John Paxton and Garth Foreman. So they went with Fred Hoiberg. And now they have this bozo in Jim Boylan as the head coach. That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. When you start winning in the 20s and you only win 25% of your games, that's horrible. Understand this, though. When it comes to what Michael Reinsdorf said, and maybe he just tries to put a shine on John Paxton, making him some kind of hero. But if John knew that recently... How come he didn't know that three or four years ago? Why didn't he say something? Why didn't he speak up then? The organization, after Fred Hoiberg was fired, was not going in the right direction. With Fred, it wasn't going in the right direction. I'm happy today that you were an influence on the firing of Gar Foreman and Paxton being pushed to the shadows. Karnasovas and his crew is going to come in, and hopefully they Bulls can be a top eight team in the East because... I think we deserve it after all these years. I think you deserve a team that's always in the mix for the championship. It, at the very least, the Eastern Conference championship. Karnasovas is going to have to hire a GM. He's got to do one other thing, though, before the season starts again. We'll talk about that next right here on Under the Hood. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. How you doing? Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. This is... Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. By the way, full show tomorrow between 7 and 10, including 
Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday at 9.30 during this time. We'll be talking to good old JR Jim Ross. He's got a book out, and I've got three more, let me think, five more pages left in his new book. Uh, the Black Hat. Under the, is it Under the Black Hat? Yep, Under the Black Hat with Jim Ross. He got like five more pages left. Boy, what a great book that is. We'll talk to him about that. All Elite Wrestling and everything else. So Jim Ross on the program tomorrow at 9.30 for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Earl Bennett, former Bears wide receiver, also scheduled to be with us um, tomorrow as well as we talk about the Bears and the draft with him. We were talking earlier uh, about the Bulls as far as one of the things that Karnasovas, the new president of basketball operations, has to be able to take a look at. And that is that he's got to fire Jim Boylan. I mean, he's already, Garth Foreman's already out, so Jim Boylan's next. So here's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know if when the NBA will return, if it's going to return this year or if it's going to be postponed indefinitely until next year. Because I know the NBA is trying to figure out a way to be able to have some kind of playoffs and have it in one spot. And there's a lot of different uh, conjecture out there about what the NBA can do, right? And I, again, I have no idea whether or not we're going to have a season or not. Um, I would say that if it does return, then it should start with the playoffs. This none of this regular season stuff. Just go right to the playoffs. If there's going to be playoffs, if there's going to be time. Um, and I guess from the Bulls' standpoint, they're like, okay, well, we need to reevaluate Jim Boylan and see what he can do. And to me, even if I'm Karnasovas, I can. I have plenty of time here during this uh, pandemic to look at the games that the Bulls blew and they blew a ton of games especially against um weaker and stronger opponents and to to evaluate that jim is an assistant coach and not a head coach in this league Uh, i think it's very clear you don't have to know much about basketball to watch jim boyle on the sidelines and also when there are (laughs) when there are players off the record saying some things about jim boylan in this regime um, that tells you all I, that's all I need to know when I'm hearing from players or guys that are around players on this Bulls team that don't have a lot of respect for Jim Boylan, then you should start fresh. I am afraid that the good coaches that are available might go to other teams and not to the Bulls. Like I, I, I just think even though, uh, Adrian Griffin, the Hawk is someone that is in the crosshairs for a number of teams. That guy's overqualified. Uh, used to be a Chicago Bull. That guy should be a head coach someplace. I don't know if he's going to coach for the Bulls or not, but that's one name. Um, there's a number of guys like Kenny Atkinson who coached the Brooklyn Nets. He would be my coach yesterday. As soon as I took the job, Karnasovic said, if I am got the job, I'm giving it right to uh, Kenny Atkinson as my new head coach. That guy is very good with young players, developing young players. He just didn't want to deal with the drama that is going to be Kyrie and KD once they are on the floor together. So he left Brooklyn. But being with this Bulls team, it'd be such a a breath of fresh air for him to be part of this organization. But I I don't know. I don't know what Karnasovas is going to do with the GM spot, but the head coach, that's got to change. So Karnasovas was talking in his um, conference call about um, Jim Boylan as head coach. Uh, in terms of uh, talking to Jim and uh, the rest of the coaching staff, I already started this process. Uh, I'm going to do my comprehend- comp- comprehensive evaluation uh, of every department and ensure I give time because, uh, as, as we all know, uh, we're limited right now to what we can do. Uh, you know, I'm, instead of being in uh, 
you know, practice facility and being in Chicago, we are at home and we are on the audio call. So it makes it difficult. Also, some thoughts from Connor Sovis about what he's looking for in a GM. From the past structures, what I've learned is I have to hire a person that has got compliment. It's not going to have the same skill set that I do. Um, and uh, that criteria, I'm going to keep it to myself for now. <laughs> for now, but I'm going to look for a person that is going to add something to, to what I think is very important to uh, current structure. So, Karnasovas, answering those questions directly from the press, that was not a, a press conference in the, the literal sense. It was kind of a conference call because you heard the audio kind of go in and out on that. But uh, that's the conversation that um, was made by uh, Michael Reinsdorf and Karnasovas. As you're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN 1000, here is what the matter is for me when it comes to the Bulls. And that is the word perception. Perception is big because this league is big. The NBA is big, but it's also small and people talk and the conversations around the league about the bulls have not been positive. It's something that John Paxson's had to answer to in a lot of different interviews in his time in the chair and also Gar Foreman, the same thing. A lot of, a lot of questions about the perception of the Bulls and Paxton kind of deflects and says, I, I can't help the, the, the perception of the Bulls. We're a good organization. And clearly not. Clearly not. The free agents that come here are not stars. So last time a star came here, Ben Wallace? You know, I mean, like a, like a star. It's been a while since the Bulls had what you consider a perennial star. Uh, and, and so this is why the Bulls have to be able to you know, do make trades and pull strings and try to get uh, quality players on the floor. It took a lucky ping pong ball to have Derrick Rose to play here. And that was a nice glimpse of what could be. But LeBron was the hammer and the Bulls were the nail in that scenario. Of course, injuries also did not help. But understand the point is about perception. I remember talking to Joe Cowley from the Sun-Times, who's covered this Bulls team for a long time. And... Now that Garth Foreman is fired, it, you kind of look back at what Joe said about what the Bulls' uh, perception of the team. What is the perception of the team around the league? It's horrible. I mean, that's why that's why you have to bring, you know, and, you know, I've, I've said this name a couple times and, and wrote it last year. I thought they should have been in on Trajan Lincoln last year. Um, and just to see when he came into town right before the All-Star break when, when the Pelicans came into town and, you know, he was at the shoot-around just to see the way he carries himself, the way players come up to him, just kind of the, the he just he just has that kind of it factor of, of yeah, I'm a GM, I'm, I'm in charge, but also I get where these guys are coming from. I understand these guys. I mean, that's the kind of new voice they need, um, you know, and I don't think it needs to be a person of color necessarily. That's not what I'm saying, but it needs to be someone that the, the, the players respect and understand and say, hey, you know what, when you're talking to me as a free agent, you're talking to me as a man, and I feel like you're talking to me as a man, and you're inviting me to this organization with open arms, and I can respect that. It's not, you know what, I feel like I'm at a used car lot with a, with a dirty used car salesman. <laughs> and I think that far too often was the case, um, and that's kind of the way the word spread around. And they, they, have some, they have some damage control to do in this area. Don't, I mean, from you know, if you go talk to people that know, you know, uh, Carlisle's in charge of the coaches association. And I think if you got him in a room by himself and talked to him about 
what's the perception that, that coaches, especially established coaches, have of the Bulls, it's bad because they just the Bulls just feel like their coaches are commodities to be flipped and then a new one brought in and it's no big deal. So thoughts there from Joe Cowley. Their perception's bad, right? And so hopefully the perception will change. Now some thoughts here uh, about this from Ryan Rossillo and Bill Simmons. They had the, on the Bill Simmons podcast, and they cover the NBA very well. I cover the NBA very well, but they also do a good job on their podcast talking about uh, certain things that's happening around the NBA. Uh, and just to just to piggyback just momentarily on Joe Cowley's thoughts, because of what Joe said uh, a few months ago about Gar forming the perception, that should have been a red flag also for Michael Reinsdorf to understand what the perception is. But if your circle's tight and you think everyone at the United Center thinks that the Bulls are great, even though the one-loss record's terrible, there's a lot of losing, you cannot run your organization like a little league. You, you know, the, you're, you're not trying to win the IHSA 3A championship. You, what you're trying to do is you're trying to win the NBA championship. You can't run it like it, like it's uh, you know, sick of East trying to win a championship. You're trying to win the NBA championship. And so you cannot run a mom and pop too small. You got to be bigger. Got to be able to think better because you already got the money. Now, what about the championships? Some thoughts now, as I mentioned, from Rosillo and Simmons. They break down Karnasovas and Will Reinsdorf Middle in the decision making. I've heard but, good things about him, by the way. Yeah. Um, me too. And, and I don't think it's just a straight up like media. The media loves the analytic guys that get hired because I think the media loves the idea that, hey, I like stats. Maybe I could be a GM as well. So the analytics guys get all sorts of passes all the time by the media, but this is not what this, um, he's an incredibly hard worker. I was talking to somebody who used to work on a staff with him and he goes, this guy, like, it's just grinds, grinds with the player evaluations. And he himself, he played with Sabonis and he still works out like a madman, like just is super like focused driven that kind of stuff like this is and some of these guys get jobs and they'll get it because of the resume and you need like nothing worse than when you get the guy to run your team it's like the phil jackson like phil jackson's resume is incredible but when you have to keep overpaying phil jackson to take a job that he doesn't want you're probably not getting a plus effort the entire time that guy our tourists ryan store will overrule him if they disagree well it's he the sun had, more than it's the right. sun more than jerry michael I mean. right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um Ultimately, they're going to do what Michael Reinsdorf does. If the, if Arturis can build up the equity and build a little coalition, that's when he can swing it. But for now, it'll be a group thing. Some thoughts there from Rousseau and uh, Simmons on the, the Karnasovas hire. And who knows? All I know is that you know the coalition has to be strong. The GM, the president of basketball, basketball operations, they got to be able to be strong. And that front office has to be stronger and better. Clean out the clutter and let's have a new face of the Bulls. It's already starting. That's a good thing. I thank you for listening and being part of the program here on ESPN 1000. Our thanks to Nick Friedel for being with us, to Kevin Fishbane, as well as uh, Vincent Goodwill for being with us as well. Show produced by Eric Ostrowski on the other side of the glass. As I mentioned tomorrow, good old JR Jim Ross will be with me. We'll talk to Earl Bennett and have a lot of fun with you between 7 and 10. Remember, during this COVID-19, you and I were alone together. Talk to you Tuesday.